Broadcasting from an undisclosed location. From a secret hunting spot known only to him. And the guy who told him about it. And possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Welcome back to another week of The Hunting Show. I'm your host, Stephen Spargo, and coming to you from a different location to normal, and we are in a lake somewhere in the King Country, standing in front of a Mai Mai, and a little bit more about that very, very soon. But I do have a reminder, you can pre-register your heads for the 2015 Seeker Show here in Topol in the North Island. All you need to do is head into any hunting and fishing store, grab your tag. The instructions are on there. It really is that simple. Up to $1,000 towards your venture with Heli Seeker if you enter early. And that's all you need to do is go into any hunting and fishing store, grab one of those pre-registration cards, and your head for the 2015 Seeker Show right here in Topol. Now, a little bit more about where I am. I'm in the King Country somewhere in front of Mike Felton's Mai Mai. And we all know duck shooting's coming up very soon. Mike is an avid hunter. He's a very, very keen duck shooter. I can see him getting excited as we're standing here looking out at the odd parry flying past. And he's also Felton reloading. Mike, this is, this is a pretty special place for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's a place I grew up as a youngster and, you know, shot my first duck, first trout, swan, you know, goose learnt to swim and all the rest of it. As far as I'm concerned, this is my home. And can you tell us, before we really kick it off, a little bit about Felton reloading? I've been reloading a shotgun shell from about the age of nine years old. It was my job before duck shooting as a way to earn the right of going out duck shooting with my grandfather and, you know, father and uncle. Um, and as a teenager, I started getting into... You know, hunting, you know, 308, uh, shooting deer. And I was never really happy with factory ammo, so I sort of learned a, a sort of more about it and studied, read all the books, and probably about the age of 18, I suppose, I bought my first uh, reloading kit and um, started reloading, and you know, within a short space of time, I improved my groupings, my accuracy, my long shots, and a few of the mates could see that and said, hey, can you, can you do it for us? And it just grew from there. Now I do it for my mates, I do it for customers, and, you know, just something I'm really passionate about. You know, nothing better than a good story of someone you reloaded for coming home with a big 20-point red stag, which I had last weekend, as a matter of fact. I think reloading seems to be the natural progression. So I'm still using factory loads, and it's kind of what you do. It doesn't work out too expensive. And I'm only now just figuring out the advantages of going into reloading. And, and there really is, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Sorry, but I'm just watching the mallards landing in front of us. Um, you know, there certainly is. Um, Someone said to me a few years ago, it's like catching a trout on a fly that you tied yourself. It gives you a total sense of satisfaction. And, okay, you're not loading your own ammo. It's a wee bit different, but it's something that is tailored to your rifle and yourself in the game that you're shooting. Factory ammo, you don't really get that. It's all, you know, it's all made to Sami standards. It's set at, you know, X. But, you know, we can change that and pretty much, you know, guarantee that any shooter who uses a specifically tailored round... <laughs> Dogs are out chasing the ducks. I'll notice, you know, pretty much uh, straight away, you know, their shooting will improve. You know, it gives them more confidence, and confidence is key when you're shooting any animal. We just got splashed by one of the dogs. That's <laughs> all over some recording gear. That's just how we like it. Actually, what are the what are the dogs' names? 
the young one is two is uh, Sammy, and she's a lab uh, border collie cross. And the old muck Pip, she's a lab uh, hunterway cross. Very cool. Now, just a little bit back to reloading. You and I had a bit of a discussion the other day, and it was particularly about shotgun reloading yep. and uh, and the differences. I'm still trying to get my head around the the physics behind what you were trying to say. Can you explain that a little bit more? In the old days, we used to usually. <laughs> Here's me, I'm only buddy 43, saying so the old days, but lead has a greater mass to it. It's heavier than steel shot. And the general rule of thumb everyone's told is go up uh, two shot sizes in steel and you sort of get roughly the same weight. Now, when I was at school, we had a physics teacher, and he taught us that force equals mass times acceleration. So to compensate for the lack of mass, you need to increase your velocity. Now, the only way of doing so is by using a smaller load. Some guys, you know, they love three-and-a-half-inch cartridges, and I don't. I don't like recoil. A guy a few years ago I sort of developed uh, this round that I'm now loading, and I exclusively use, and everyone I you know, can sell it to. 1,700 feet a second, seven-eighths of an ounce. It's going that fast that you swing through on a bird, come to the head and beat and squeeze the trigger, and they die. It's, it's awesome stuff. It really is. Yeah, I suppose I'm probably a little bit like most people that are listening and trying to get my head around that whole thing. You're always taught, that, well, kind of bigger is better, right? That's what we've always been taught, yep. Yeah, and you did the pen test on me. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what Mike did is we, he basically had a ballpoint pen. He said, put your hand out. I put my hand in front of him, and he hit me with the, the blunt end of the pen and said, how, you know, how did that feel? Okay, whatever, you hit me with the end of the pen. Then he turned it around to the sharp end and went to him, and of course I moved my hand. And uh, it was a very interesting illustration, and it did kind of get the point over. But when you're talking about the the, the smaller shot, I'm still trying to get my head around. How does it, is it going to down the duck? Come on. Smaller surface area hitting a, another surface it will tend to penetrate, yeah. right? Now, you need minimum of three pallets penetrating a duck's breast cavity a deal of clean kill. So guys out there using BBs, they have their place, long shot and so forth. I don't squeeze a trigger unless it's inside 40 metres. That's just you know me and sort of where we are, as you can see. So I shoot number three steel. At 1,700 feet a second, it'll bring down a goose, a swan, a duck, flat. Because it's going so quick, the surface area is small enough to actually get through the feathers, skin, flesh, bone, Body cavity, heart, lungs, etc. Now, as you know, Mike, I'm not by any means an expert duck shooter. In fact, I've done hardly any of this. So for me, my thought this year is, is you know, go get my license, get the old A400 out, get some factory ammo and, and give it a burn. What are the advantages of, of first of all, coming to you, and secondly, looking at that, that shot? I mean, am I going to feel less recall? Am I going to be more accurate? I know this sounds like silly questions, but I'm really no, trying to not, get my head around. No, no, it's not silly questions at all. Seven-eighths of an ounce is the load size. It's a small charge. Uh, sorry, small. A number of pallets is the best way to describe it. So once again... Force equals mass time acceleration. You're trying to push an ounce and a quarter load out of a barrel because it's far more force against your shoulder. Nephew of mine has a champion um, skeet shooter and he likens my loads to shooting trap ammo. It's, it's the smallest recoil I've felt in a shotgun ever. And as I said before, I don't like recoil. So that's one of the big advantages. Second advantage 
is the amount of lead you need to actually give a bird. Stuff going under, say, 1,500 feet a second, you need to swing through past the bird, so your barrel's in front of the bird, yeah? Squeeze the trigger, and the pallets and bird meet yes, at point X. My stuff, as I say, you swing onto the nose of the bird within 40 metres, you squeeze the trigger, it falls out of the sky. Pretty simple shooting. All right, so I'm going to take you up on that challenge. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take you up on that challenge. The, the other question I have for you, again, so talk to me. I'm I, I really am a novice. Yep. I want to I want to like duck shooting. Yep. So I'm, I'm in the right frame of mind to do that this year. What what are the things? What the first tips I need to know? What are things I need to get ready for? And what gear do I need? Shotgun, of course. Yep. The right ammo for where you shoot. You're shooting big long shots. Then you need Big, long ammo. Simple as that. Got a few good decoys. Um, as you know, I came in, the sh- in your shop the other day and, and purchased some Avian X, and I said, to, I said to the wife, I'm in love, because they are. They're just beautiful decoys, and they're going to work. Um, you know, good spread, good caller. Personally, I swear by the uh, Fred Zink brand of calls, if I can say that. Um, and go to a gun club and practice shooting. That's, you know, number one, you know, while I'm a hunter, there's nothing worse than I hate the wounded game of any sort. If I can't take a clean shot at a deer, I don't pull the trigger. Same with a duck. If it's outside my range, let it go by. Get on the caller. Make him come around and land where you want him to land. Then pull the trigger you know, as he's coming in to land. Satisfying. More ducks. Sorry, mate. Um, really, that's the gear you need. You know, a good bit of camo. And don't just shoot out to a lake like we are now and say, oh, look... Uh, uh, you know, park up here. Do the research. Find out where the birds are. And as you can see by what's flying around in front of us, there's probably a good 60 parries trying to come into the feeder. Um, find out where the birds are. You know, their feeding habitat is different from their resting habitat. So you need to sort of work, you know, do, do a bit of research. Find out where the birds are comfortable. That's where you want to be shooting them. You know, you can't call them into where they don't want to land. As simple as that. Really, that's all you need. And then probably go with someone a bit more experienced, show you the ropes rather than go out there and start smashing stuff over, eh? Hey, definitely. You know, if you can get in with someone, you know, just go and approach a duck shooter. Say, hey, look, you know, I'm keen at duck shooting, and you've just said to me, you know, I'm taking it out at some point. Hey, that's fine. You know, I love it. Yeah. Teaching someone who's never shot, and I did this last year opening weekend with another mate of mine named Steve, and he's, he's loving it. You know, find some experience, learn the etiquette, and the unwritten rules, and away you go, mate. Enjoy yourself. Actually, you've touched on a really good point, and I'd like to consider myself, and I do definitely consider myself an ethical hunter. Uh, certainly with deer stalking, there's some etiquette as well, and I well and truly keep there's another massive flock. Uh, but, I look, I really do make sure that I try and keep within the etiquette and, and also be ethical. What, a, what? Tell me about some of that etiquette. And we're going to be talking, a lot of you out there are experienced shooters, Let's be real, and your experience, duck shooters. Um, but let's run through that again. So, what are some of that etiquette that people just need to know? When it comes to duck shooting, one of the biggest things is don't push in. If someone's got a mile, mile like where I'm standing here, there's um, six tags in this bay, and we all know each other extremely well, and we're all mates. Now, you know, some of them we've only met here duck shooting, and that's the only time you ever see them. Last year, we had some young guys come up and, think, and thought they'd just you know come and sort of plonking between two mimos. Now, if you want to go shooting something new and there's already guys there, approach them. Hey, guys, if we're new to this, point us in the right direction, where can we shoot? 
95% of hunters will say, hey, sweet, yeah, good on you. I'll take you and I'll show you. And that's the best thing. Um, learning the rules. A couple of years ago, there were some guys out here who thought that they could shoot every single bird on the ground. So I went and approached them and said, you keep doing that, you'll be on the ground, you know, basically. I mean, it, it's pretty much common sense. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of that these days out there. Yeah, I, I think there is. I think I, I probably disagree with you there. I think that there's a lot of these young guys that probably want common sense and they want to be uh, taught, but they just don't know how to start. Uh, that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, humans are a bit strange like that. We sort of find it very hard to go and talk to strangers. But you know, always bear in mind, if you're new to this, if the guys out there have the same interests, you know, I've been shooting here now for 38 years. Um, so... Yeah, as I say, I started when I was five with my grandfather. Um, you know, if you just come and say hello to us and introduce yourselves and, you know, so-and-so from such-and-such, you know, no issue. Yeah, we'll show you where the birds are. As simple as that. So, yeah, common sense maybe wasn't the right word, but it's just how to approach someone. You know, and like, go up and introduce yourself. But don't do it at 6.15 opening morning. Yeah, that's a really good point, and I think <laughs> that's why I think I'm trying to get organised now. I'm trying to yeah. get hold of some decent people because the other thing is I don't want that that first op- or that first time out. I don't want it to be a bad experience either. I don't want to sit there in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people uh, because that puts anyone off hunting. In fact, we were talking about this in the truck on the way out because we were a considerable way out of town. That even for young fellas like Tyrell who's with us today, he's playing with the dogs around the corner. You know, he's he's 14. The last thing I want to do is give him a, a big high-powered shotgun, you know, something that's going to kick like a mule, sit him in front of a mai-mai, and he have an awful time. You know, bruised shoulders, not having fun. You've got to make sure it's a good experience. And me as an adult, I want a good experience. Oh, hey, of course. And, that's, and it gets back to the rules and, you know, the unwritten rules, etc. When you do take someone new, put them in the best spot. You know, I've shot here, as I say, for 30-odd years. If I was to bring you out, I'd put you on the right-hand side of the posse where you're standing now because generally that's where the birds come in, as you can see in front of us right now. Um, and we'd, you know, we'd point out, we'd put a marker out there for you, and then when they're inside that marker, swing on them, squeeze the trigger. So you get the bulk of the shooting. So your first experience is, is duck shooting rocks. I want to do more. How you can do more is do what I do out here, feed, Trap, poison, look after where you shoot. Get rid of, of predators, rats, stoats, possums, pukekos. They're on the license. I urge you all out there, shoot the bloody things. Nothing takes more ducklings than pukekos. So, yeah. Gee, that's an interesting one, because I'd never really thought of the old pukeko, eh, going, going for those suckers. So they're taking out the ducklings. Massively. They are one of the biggest predators of ducklings. Absolutely. They'll fly in, rip one out of the nest, and fly away. Yep. Now, the other thing that I've probably been a little bit put off with duck shooting is it has a bit of a culture of um, guys just drinking. Guys come out duck shooting, they get absolutely snotted. You hear about a few accidents that happen there, here and there. Um, and actually, to date, I have to say, it's something that's put me off. It's not all like that, though, is it? There's no alcohol in my mind, my period, when there's firearms around. Now, that... It doesn't just mean while we're shooting. You come to my mama, you do not bring alcohol. Personally, I don't drink, and that's a personal choice. I don't ram that down anyone's throat. 
But firearms and alcohol do not mix. I do not do it. And if you want to bring alcohol, you leave it in your ute down the other end of the lake because that's where it's done. Yeah, that's a pretty hard line, but I like your stance. Now, the next subject really is calling. And uh, and I think that's a it's a pretty big subject. And from what I can gather is it's about practice, practice, practice. Is, is, that's the only take I have. Absolutely. I, you asked my wife this when we get home, if you like, she wants to shove those callers up my where the sun don't shine <laughs> yep. because I spend probably an hour a day practicing both on mallard, parries and geese. The biggest thing at the calling is being able to read the bird. What is the bird doing? If it's flying straight into my gear and it's going to put its brakes on and drop in, I'm not calling him because he's not doing anything wrong. It's like a kid. If a kid's doing something right, you don't tell him otherwise. If they start to look, start to turn, if they start to fly away, you give them a comeback call. I'm not going to do that because I'm a bit croaky at the moment, but... So once again, it comes down to sitting out here, listening to the birds, watching where they you know, live, feed, learning to call. If you can mimic them, that's all you're trying to do. But then they're going to trust where your decals are is safe and come in, and you can just let rip. I suppose I'm in a bit of a situation where I'm surrounded by guys like young Mark, who was on the show last week, who, who's just an expert caller. That guy's uncanny. And for me going out, I always want to think, oh, gosh, am I going to sound like a sort of retarded duck or is it, is it going to work? What am I better to do in that case? Let the, let the pros do it until I feel better or what do you do? You just start off with a simple course. You know, in the lonely hen. Start off with that. You know, that's a call that has its place. If, if the bird's flying away at 200 metres away, it ain't going to hear it. If the bird's circling your gear, not quite sure, you just give them that. Start off with that. Uh, feeding call, the chuckle, much used call. That's one of my favourite go-to calls. So I have my caller, I do it for you. But start off basic. Don't expect too much. You know, if you're learning to opera sing, you ain't, ain't going to be able to do it straight away. And it's it's just practice. Get on the web, YouTube, awesome source of information, and just practice. Try and do what the experts are doing, and you'll get it. Yeah, but hang on. I, when I go into YouTube, I keep seeing these duck calling competitions. And hang on, I don't. I, that to me doesn't even sound like a duck half the time. You know, that, they're just trying to show off their talent. That's not calling a duck, is it? Without trying to offend anyone out there. Um, offend away. <laughs> nah, it's crap. Yeah. A live bird doesn't sound like calling competitions. You know, I've been to a few now. Um, in fact, my mate uh, Ben Severn, who, who won the regionals here in Taupo last year, awesome guy. And he'll admit to you that what he's doing at the at the competition, it's for competition. Now, calling a bird is completely, it sounds sort of the same, yes, but it's different. You know, as I say, reading what the animal's doing. You know, you don't go out in December and start roaring a seeker. Although Mark might, because he tried that just last week. But <laughs> um, you've got to know what to expect from your prey, you know, basically. And I don't stand anything like the gods' competitions. You know, I... I'm not an expert caller. There are guys out there who, who blow me away, and they are bird-like. Another good way um, Fred Zink explains it is, especially calling um, geese, is goose rhythm. If they have a rhythm. Humans have a rhythm. Mallards have a rhythm. Parries have a rhythm. Time out in the field. Listen and learn. Actually, that rhythm thing something I'm only just getting to terms with with all prey. 
yeah, they all have a rhythm. Yep. Uh, and even Mark last week talked about their level as well, which is another thing um, that, that, again, as someone who's, I, I would say, as a deer stalker, I'm moderate. I'm certainly not an expert um, in, a, in a, this kind of thing. I've been out. I've tried it, but I'm, I'm by no means in the zone, and that's what I want to get into this year. You know, so talk more about that rhythm. How do you find it? What, is it just something you naturally start to feel? If you're calling birds, if they're coming into your spread and they look like, yep, sweet as, and you get on your caller and you call and they flare off, you're calling wrong, right? I spend a lot of time out here. I'm out here six months a year maintaining the mansion behind us here and, and feeding and, you know, if I come about this time in the evening... I normally put everything away, I sit down, I have my callers, and I practice. Because birds come in here, as you've seen so far tonight, I mean, it's just nuts. Um, and get them to come in. You know, throw a couple of decoys out. And practice. You'll get that rhythm. And one of the biggest tips I'll give anyone with a caller is don't blow from your lungs. You've got to blow from your gut. So not shallow breaths yeah. big breaths that changes the sound of the caller it's warmer air it reverberates differently and you can blow for longer in fact that resonates with me i've been in radio uh, and, and been on air for a very long time that is exactly what you do you actually speak from your gut uh, and you actually you'll notice probably because i've got a little bit of a gut at the moment my diaphragm even moving when i'm talking and i suppose that oh look more <laughs> um, so, so you've just got to practice. I know it sounds it sounds cliche, but just go out, practice, buy a caller. Mike, what are your feelings on electronic callers? <laughs> We're on the radio, yeah. Um, don't like them. They don't sound like a duck to me. Uh, using a good quality caller. In your hands and your tongue placement in the air, hands in the right place, air coming out the right place, you can make it sound like what you want to do. With a, an electronic corner, you've got six options, I think it is, and probably three mallards, two parries, and a couple of geese. That ain't anywhere near enough. It will get you started, you know, if you want to go out and spend that money. But personally, I bought one a few years ago. I was getting fat and lazy, as you can see. Um, I don't even know where it is now. I think I put it back after it was actually opening day. I threw it in the back of the Maimai and brought out my old caller and I get the, the birds in my, in my spread again. So me personally, can't stand the things. And they use batteries, which are expensive, and my lungs aren't expensive. You are a smoker. I'm not, I wasn't going to say anything, oh, but it, <laughs> that makes your lungs very expensive. Anyway, <laughs> when we're talking about... Um, Gee, and your phone's gone. Now, now, you're talking about decoys. Yep. Now, I'm going to go out. I'm probably going to buy some decoys. I might not this year. I may just rely on everyone else. What do you look for in a good decoy, first of all? Realism. That's it. The realer they look, the realer they look to the birds. Really? Does the duck give a shit? Oh, I'm sorry. Does the duck, when he's flying over and he sees a, a, a 
you know, $10 plastic bath toy sitting out, and that's, sorry, I should, this is the best way I can describe it, sitting out on the lake, does he know the difference between that and a, and a, and a high-end decoy, or is it all about you? Is it you know the difference? No. Ducks are a prey bird, right? So evolution has made their eyes develop sharp. They can see detail from distances you and I can only dream about. So, yes, quality counts, absolutely. I've had some decoys I've had for probably 20 years. I don't put them in the water. They're purely sentimental. Some of my grandfathers, etc. you know, passed away many years ago, but quality decoys. If they look like that mallard sitting out in front of us at 25 metres, to another mallard, that's what it looks like. If it looks like a Coke bottle painted up with a cork head jammed on top, hey, uh, early in the season when the birds haven't been shot at tremendously, it might you know, bring a few in. Later in the season, especially, I mean, I shoot every single weekend. I spend $91 I live for May and June. So I spend that money and get the good gear, and you do get results, absolutely, yep. Today someone was talking to me about the reflection as well, so that's something they always look for. They look for the plastic decoy that if it reflects in the right light, and generally this is, tell me if I'm wrong here, the ducks are coming in towards you, you want the sun in the right direction, unfortunately that causes a reflection if they are plastic and cheap and nasty. Am I on the right path here? Because that's where you start looking fully flocked and that kind of stuff, eh? Absolutely. Here's an easy way to describe it. If you walk outside of the front of my mind at 9 o'clock at night, wave your torch around, what happens? All the birds get up and bugger off. It's not natural. You've also got to take into account that most guys like myself, we put our decoys in water, shooting in May and June, so it's pretty rough, wet, windy, so water splashes onto your decoy. Now you get a little bit of sunlight on that. It's basically putting a mirror sitting in the water saying, hey, here's a big mirror. I'm not a decoy anymore. It shows the shape. Yes, if you've got moving water, it'll show a V. But if you look at that, that duck sitting out in front of us there, it's just landed, so it's had water splash on it. It's washed itself a few times. There's no reflection, is there? The only reflection there is is the ripple of it swimming towards us. So once again, study your prey. If it doesn't look like your prey, I recommend don't buy on it. If you're on a budget, you can get some middle-of-the-road um, decoys. That are, they're not bad. You know, they're seriously not. Um, you know, my budget's probably a wee bit bigger than most um, you know, what I do, but it's my passion. I want to know. I come out here, I've given myself the absolute best opportunity to do what I love, and that's about it. And the next part of it is obviously putting them out. And again, I've been studying up on this a little bit, but when I'm about to, you know, I've got my decoys, I've got all the kit that goes with those, I'm about to put them onto the lake, how do I how do I arrange them? I mean, they're not just at random, are they? You've got to, again, know your prey, understand how they would be. When it comes to geese, for example, personally, I put them, imagine a triangle. Now, if I, I only use six goose decoys. That's all I need. And I'll put three pairs on the point of a triangle and leave a good hole in the middle. Now, in the middle of those, I'll put a couple of mallards or a couple of parries. Leave plenty of room for your birds to land. Then around those, I'll put you know more mallards and more parries, and I've got six bags of decoys, so you know where this is going. 
you've got to leave a place where the birds can land amongst your spread that's within range. Now, here's the kicker. A lot of people, they, they, they think they can shoot better than they actually can. A lot of serious duck shooters, no, I'm not accounting on them. But if you're beginning, especially, learn your effective killing range. Me, my maximum hole is 40 metres. So I've got decoys that are right at my feet in front of us. We'll be standing in the water and your feet are probably getting wet. Yeah, to 40 metres out. And my hole is in the middle of that. And my decoys are around that triangle. And that works a treat. Absolutely. If you've got a bit of land in front of you, so as we have as out there to our right, throw a few silhouettes on it. Never underestimate silhouettes. Awesome stuff. But, you know, leave... You've got to leave a hole. But don't overcrowd where you want to shoot, otherwise the birds won't land there. They'll go land somewhere else. Simple as that. Okay, good tips from Mike. Now, Mike, if just going forward just a little bit more, you do the reloading. If someone wants to find out your information, where do they go? Where do they find out who you are, where you are? Um, hopefully you've got a website. I think I saw it on your cart. Yeah, there's a bit of a cheap website there I don't really pay too much attention to, but uh, feltonreloading.co.nz. Um, it's got my contact details on there. bit about me, bit about how I got into it, uh, what I do, my services. Um, or they can just uh, phone me, 027-268-2260. Basically, that's fairly simple. I'm not, I'm not as flash as you guys on IT. That sort of scares me a wee bit. I'm good with ammo and shooting stuff. And if you didn't quite catch that phone number, it will be in the comment section or just above the comment section of this podcast. All you need to do if you're on iTunes is push the more information button. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, and most of the others, again, all you need to do is scroll down, and there's more ducks flying around just in front of us. This area is absolutely awesome. If you go to blogtalkradio.co, oh, not .co, .com, uh, look up the hunting show on there. You'll see a slideshow of where we are and what we've been up to, even this interview. Mike, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for bringing me out to such a magical place. This is this is kind of like your secret hidey hole, so we're not going to tell too many people where we are, although I have taken GPS coordinates. <laughs> yeah, well, the missus does call this my second home because I sort of spend more time out here with these birds than my own bird at home. But of all means, if you, if you just want to chat and learn a bit more about it, or get some advice, just give me a call, you know, the only dumb question is one that's not asked. And just before we go, Mike, you've got to have one good duck shooting story for us. Yeah, probably what I shouldn't say on air, but it was a few years ago now, and where we're standing, the water was about five feet higher than it is. It was a massive flood, so we came out to see the damage on the Maumau, which at the moment is about three feet above the water, so it was underwater. And I was um, sort of perched on the boat, standing on the nose, and two spoonies come flying down the bloody river behind us, and I swung up and pulled the trigger. What I didn't realise is my young uh, nephew was sort of half in, half out of the boat while it's floating, and with the recoil, he ended up getting quite wet. I did get both um, birds, which I was quite pleased about. Unfortunately, they were two drakes. I still haven't got my um, trophy uh, hen uh, spoonie, but hopefully this year, eh? Thank you again, Mike, and we will catch up again. We're going to do this again, hopefully, a little bit into duck shooting season. You keen on that? I've put you on the spot. You're on air now. You can't really say no. You keep giving me a good discount like you do at Hunting and Fishing Tower, but mate, I'll take you anywhere. And a small plug for them as well. Remember, if you'd like to win that great 12-month subscription to NZ Hunting Magazine, I've got one right in front of me, or NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. More ducks showing up.
Oh, look at that. Look, the dog's out there. Um, New Zealand Outdoor Hunting Magazine. There's a 12-month subscription up for grabs every month. All you've got to do is be active with us, and that's on our Facebook page. That's email us. That's be in contact, and we do love hearing from you. In fact, a good number of our interviews come from your suggestions. It really is that simple. We do have some quite sexy metrics that we can actually figure out who's been active where and what you're doing, and uh, it could be your photo up on that Facebook page as Fan of the Month. That's another show in the can. Thank you for listening. Be careful out there. Looking forward to duck shooting season. Good hunting. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.